Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the Word of God. I'm very honored to have this opportunity to have a few minutes to talk to you. So since, since we're just men, uh, it's sort of like Hebrews said, uh, spirits of just men made perfect. And there was one old preacher, he said, these men were not angels, these men were not superheroes. They were just men. <laughs> I think he missed the point. <laughs> Amen. So anyway, uh, I want to talk to you tonight about relationships, particularly with your loved ones. And I want to say, first of all, that I personally believe that the research will support the statement that I'm going to make, and that is that most of the social ills of our society can be laid at the feet of men who did not take responsibility for their marriages, for their children. Uh, My daughter... Michaela was a grade school teacher for a couple years, and she would come home so frustrated every evening because she said, I have to spend 90% of my time as a teacher parenting because there's no parenting going on, and then 10% teaching. When I say social ills, uh, I could say, you know, addiction. I could probably say uh, uh, teenage pregnancy. I could say um, young men whose fathers were not present who turned to gangs and, uh, you know, black market and are perhaps in prison or jail because they just didn't have a good man to... uh, to be their father, to be their dad, to be a model, to be a voice, to be an example. And uh, so I just want to just talk to you about some practical things about relationships. And I want to say that our first and most important relationship is with God. And I was raised in the home of a wonderful, godly, Christian, humble, joyful, authentic uh, Christian man. Therefore, my relationship with God was easy because I transferred eventually the authority and the respect and the love that I had in my father because he was uh, relational. He was uh, authentic, someone I could trust, uh, someone I wanted to model my life after, and someone I loved deeply. Uh, I could transfer that easily to God. It never crossed my mind 
until Jenny Cantrell and her husband Kenny and I were in conversation. And uh, if you don't know who they are, they're our missionaries out of our church to West Africa. But they weren't always ready to be missionaries. They had quite a journey. And she told me one day, she said, you know, you had it easy. I said, what do you mean? She said, your dad was awesome. My dad, not so much. She said, so I've had problems with God, I think, because I didn't have a good relationship with my dad. That had never crossed my mind. But when she said that, I thought, oh, I have work to do as a pastor. I have work to do even now as a father. This was probably 25 to 30 years ago she mentioned that. And it really impacted my, my uh, thinking and my how to be intentional about trying to model and train and teach men to have good relationships. And so I want to just give somebody hope here today. Chances are, uh, I would say 50% of you at least did not have a good father figure experience, whether it was your biological father, your stepfather, stepdad, uh, uh, just whoever was your father figure. Uh, And thank God that some of you had someone, not your biological father, step in and model godly behavior. And we thank God for that. But I want to say that just because you feel cheated, and if you didn't have that person, no one would blame you for feeling a little bit cheated. But here's the deal. You know, perhaps God chooses what we go through, but we choose how we go through it. And we can... uh, If there's generational curses, there's generational blessings. And we can stop the curse in one generation. And we can learn how to be a good man. And we can learn how to have a healthy, balanced relationship with God. and, And learn how to detach all the junk and all the shortcomings and not assign any of that. When we study the man Jesus who said, when you pray, say, our Father. Have you ever felt like you could just crawl up on God's lap? You need to experience that sometime. Sometimes uh, children feel vulnerable. They feel unprotected. Mm -hmm. But I want you to know you're never unprotected and you never have to feel vulnerable when you have a, a benevolent, heavenly, godly father. I want to read Matthew uh, 3, 17, 3, 16. 
Matthew 3.16. And Jesus, when He was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto Him. And He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon Him. And lo, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Think about that message. This is my beloved Son. Now, I'm not teaching you on the Godhead tonight. I'm not going to... Uh, be theological. I want to be relational. However, this voice that speaks and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Have you ever said that to your son? Did your dad ever say that to you? Or something like that. This is, these are terms of endearment. And think about this. Jesus has not even begun his ministry yet. He's 30. He hasn't done a whole lot yet. And the father is saying, I approve. He's not making it conditional. He's not saying, well, you know, if he starts doing miracles, well, if he starts performing, well, if he uh, does everything that I tell him to do, then he'll get the carrot, my beloved son. No. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. When Jesus spoke of the Father, theologically, he had to speak of him as someone other than himself. John 16, 25, Jesus said to his disciples, he said, when I speak to you of the Father, I'm speaking in fictitious language. It's not really like another person. Because he said, the Father in me, he dwelleth that he dwells in me, he doeth the works. And if Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we'll be okay. Jesus said, well, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So Jesus was the God of the Old Testament. Yahweh manifested in flesh. Jesus means Jehovah has become our salvation. So there's not two people going on here. God didn't love the world so much that he sent somebody else to save the world. He loves... He loved us so much he came himself. The Bible says to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto his son. No, unto himself. And so these are terms of endearment. These are terms of unconditional love. Jesus hasn't done a whole lot yet. Now you could argue that, you know, first 30 years of his life, he, you know, at the age of 12, he amazes his parents and the doctors of the law, but Mary's not too happy with him. 
Where have you been? We've been looking for you for three days. Don't you know, Mom, i got to be about my father's business. You know, I've got a mission. I've got a purpose. And, uh, but then the Bible says in Luke 2.52 that Jesus subjected himself to them, submitted to them. And this is why he was blessed, because he was in submission. The man, Jesus, was under authority. That's what he's talking about when he says, The Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. He's saying, The flesh of me is under the authority of, of, the, of the, the, the divine in me. And uh, so the 30 years certainly did account for something. Uh, the 30 years of an impeccable, perfect, submitted life. But then there came a time to launch his ministry. And it was cold when we first got in here. And now it's going to feel a little warm, but it'll even out in about five minutes. So those of you that are hot-blooded, just relax. It'll be okay. Um, When I was a teenager, I was raised in the church. Um, My parents took us to church five times a week. We never complained. Us four kids. Tuesday night Bible study. Thursday night, regular church service, you know, worship set, a special song, the offering, preaching, altar call. Friday night was a youth activity. Saturday night, our church had a Bible college on its campus, was Bible college service night. We weren't expected to be there. Sunday morning, Sunday school at 10, main service at 11. Sunday night was another church service. And I don't know when we ever had time for ourselves because we felt like we were always at church. But I didn't turn out <laughs> And neither did my brother or my sisters. But... When I was a teenager, like any teenager, you, you are reaching for your adulthood. You're, you're trying to find who you are, your identity. And sometimes uh, our kids scare us to death. And if you haven't had teenagers yet, you don't know what it's like to be scared. But when they come along, you, you will be scared. <laughs> so have a nice day. <laughs> and Zach doesn't even have a teenager yet, and he's already walking out. <laughs> but Gavin's on his way. <clears throat> so um, I worked at a steakhouse my junior and senior year of high school. And... Uh, the kids I worked with got high every night. I never told my parents that. I didn't want them to make me quit the job. In fact, I went home last week to teach at the Bible College where I graduated from, and I took one of, my, one of those kids, he's my age, out to dinner. He's a drug addict. He's 66 years old. Still a drug addict. You know, false teeth because of meth. I played, 
I played golf with him 20 years ago, 9 o'clock in the morning, he's having a beer. I'm thinking, why do you need a buzz at 9 o'clock in the morning on a golf course? And, but I love him. He's my lifelong friend. I went home to be with him when his 30-year-old daughter hung herself and left a 10-month-old baby behind. I don't know any of that pain. But it's decisions he made. And you know what? He didn't have a good relationship with his dad. Dad raised him in church just like my dad. He made all the services I went to, youth camps. One, one time I came over to his house and I saw his older brother Al. His face was red with welts. I said, what happened to Al? He said, my dad just beat the, you know what, uh, I don't know anything about that. And guys, why did Paul say, I would that all men everywhere would lift up holy hands without what? Anger. Without wrath. Without anger. Anger is our battle. Yes. Because we break things. When, when it's not going the way we want it to go, we just put our hands on it and we just break it. If it ain't broke, break it. <laughs> and and I got to tell you, I'm Irish. I, I got a temper. I don't have red hair, but I got two kids with red hair. And I've always had to manage my anger. And uh, it's it's something we have to control. Don't ever say well, that's just the way I am and you're just going to have to deal with it. No, that, that's... Then you're going to have a lousy life. That's right. If you think there's something out there controlling you. And so this is every man's battle. It doesn't matter if you're extrovert or introvert. It doesn't matter what your personality tests out at. It has, no, has nothing to do with it. So this is our battle. And I was with my friend having dinner and I just loved him. And it was just really good to see him. And we had so many good times together. But here's why I'm telling you this. When I was tempted to go down a, another path, when I was tempted to disobey God and transgress, I'm not saying I was perfect. I never did put a joint to my lips. Them guys went and got high every night. Every single night after work. I never did it. And I'm going to tell you, uh, and I'm not taking anything away from the grace of God, but what kept me on the straight and narrow was a relationship. Not with God. With my dad. I loved him. You know why? Because he was authentic. I never wanted to hurt him. Can I say that? I never wanted to hurt him. I never wanted to embarrass him. I never wanted to reflect anything other than the values that he was trying to put in my life. Maybe you didn't have that with 
an earthly father, but you can have that with your heavenly father. That's what I think Hebrews said. Let's not crucify him again. Let's let's not put him through that again. But let's love God. In fact, Paul said uh, to the Corinthians, he said, the love of God compels us. The love of God, the King James uses, constraineth us. We don't really get that word. We understand compel a little bit better. The love of God, not rules, not the Ten Commandments. Thank God for the Ten Commandments. But you only really need the first one. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, your might, your soul, your strength. Love God. If you love God, it will constrain you in your marriage. You won't commit adultery. If you love God, you won't bear false witness. You won't, you know, take somebody's life wrongfully. You won't, you know, lie about somebody. All these, you won't covet somebody else's stuff. If you really get the love relationship right. When was the last time you were just really broken in the presence of God just because you loved Him. You just love Him. You just love Him. You know, I hope you're not at the Life Church for any other reason than you love God. And when we have that uh, compelling love for God, then it uh, transfers into everything, every other relationship uh, in our life. Um, some of us, some men are very, very good at relationships and it comes natural. And for others of us, we have to work at it. We have to. And we need to. We need to work at relationships. I'm, I'm actually writing a book right now for men. Um, I realized our publishing house doesn't have anything uh, about how to, you know, raise a family to love God. And so I'm just working on it. And I've been, I've been in it for six months and I'm just barely halfway done. And, but I've been thinking a lot about dads and their sons in the Bible. And the Bible is our model. And of course, I started with the most important father-son relationship in the text, Matthew three seventeen, And that's really all you need to know. This is my beloved son and whom I'm well pleased. Gentlemen, give your unconditional love to your children. Don't dangle any carrots. Don't make them get the next A before you give them a pat on the back. Don't make them score a touchdown or, you know, win a contest. Uh, and, and then when they get an A, don't say, well, you should have got an A+. plus." Get the kid a break. And uh, celebrate 
everything you can celebrate. And the last thing you want to do is provide for your wife or your child. You know, well, you don't don't get a biscuit from me until you perform. Mm. Is, Is that how God loves you? Is that how you learn the love of God? When you got perfect, He died for you? Or does the Bible say, while we were yet sinners? Romans 5, 8. Christ died for us. It's unconditional. Listen, if if you have a relationship of integrity with your children, they will not take wrongful advantage of it. You don't have to worry about that. They won't do it. Because they want to please you. They want to to, uh, make you proud of them. So I was thinking about one day Noah comes home and his three sons are married and they're all living in a sort of the way they live, all in a communal sort of living. Noah and his wife, three sons, their daughters-in-law. And they put the dinner out on the table and Noah's eating his stew. He says, uh, God spoke to me today. Oh, really, Dad? Shem, Shem reaches for a piece of bread. Yeah, what's going on? What's God saying? Well, he told me to build an ark twice the length of a football field. <laughs> and Japheth choked on a chicken bone. And Dad... Tell us more. Yeah, it's it's going to rain. Rain? What's that? Oh, well, water comes down from the sky. And and, uh, where are we supposed to build this boat? Well, just right here. Yeah, we're a thousand miles from the closest water that's big enough to hold a boat like that. Oh, don't worry about that. There'll be plenty of water. We'll just build it right here. And then... So, (laughs) think about it. Ham, Shem, and Japheth. They're all in. What a crazy story. It never rained before. God's going to destroy the earth. And they don't bat an eyeball. Why? Sorry, I got chills right now. They don't question him. They don't call him a fool. You know, you have too much coffee, too much pizza. What's going on? No, he's authentic. Dad, if you heard from God, we're going to build, we're going to help you build this boat. A hundred years. No black and deck or anything. And they're going at it. And what is that? What is it? They didn't hear from God. Their dad heard from God. But because Noah was relational, he wasn't perfect. Do you know what happened after the flood? He was in a compromising, vulnerable situation. He went from, my father-in-law said, he went from nobility to nakedness. When after the flood, he built a vineyard and he became intoxicated and he was uncovered and Ham mocked him. But Shem and Japheth, they, they walked in backwards and they covered him. I'm not saying you have to be perfect. But if you have an authentic relationship, 
you cover your kids, they cover you. I, I have to tell you, um, so when my youngest, Caleb, was about five, I was working in the garage. It was hot. I was pouring sweat. I wanted to get something done. I don't even remember what it was. He wanted to help. Caleb had a good work ethic. He, if I told him, move everything in that side of the garage over there, he, he, would go, he would do it, and just a five-year-old. And then, okay, you got it over there? Okay, now move everything back over there. And he would do it. He had a good work ethic. So he's trying to help me. He's looking over my shoulder, and, you know, he's in my way, and, and I'm trying to get this done. And I sort of shoved him. I, I, can't, I can't excuse it. I shoved him, and he fell down. You say, that's teaching a boy to be a man. No, it's teaching him that I'm a jerk. He fell on his little backside. He started crying. Walked in the house. I'm like, I'm an an idiot. So I laid everything down. I knew where he'd be. He'd be up in his bedroom, bawling his head off on his bed. He was always so tender. And I went up there. I knocked on the door. I went in, closed the door. He's on his bed. I, I got down on my knees, right in his face. I said, Caleb, I'm really sorry. Now I'm crying. I shouldn't have pushed you. That wasn't right for me to do that. Would you forgive me? <laughs> I can still see him reaching out his little arms. <laughs> yes, Daddy. I forgive you. And we both had a good cry. You say, well, you're, you're going to raise a sissy. Really? Have you seen him lately? I don't think so. That's right, Bishop. He's a man. That's right. 25. In fact, I teased him the other day. I said, you're the most eligible 25-year-old in the United Pentecostal Church. <laughs> it's, it's all about relationships. So... Juxtapose Noah's sons on uh, Lot's sons-in-law. He goes to his family with a big story, just like Noah's big story. Judgment's coming. I just saw two angels. (laughs) Lot, you saw two angels? I don't believe it. You've been hanging out at the city gates, hanging out with the men of this. You're part of the culture. You're part of the society. You bought into it. What do you mean you saw two angels? Give me a break. Yeah, and they're going to wipe this city out. We've got to get out of here. The Bible says he seemed as one that was mocking, just telling a joke. No authentic tenor in his voice. And he lost two married daughters, two sons-in-law. We don't know about any grandchildren. And then his own daughters got him drunk and seduced him and produced the lousy nations of Ammon and Moab. And they were a pesky fly in the ointment of Israel for generations because Lot did not have authentic (coughs) relationships with his own family. So, how about your voice? How about your voice? 
Do you have the law of E.F. Hutton? You guys, anybody remember those commercials? When e, me and Terry were the old guys. <laughs> when E.F. Hutton speaks, what? Everybody listens. <laughs> those are the old football commercial, NFL football commercials. It was a great commercial. You have all these guys talking in the room, and you know they're investors and you know financial people, and well, and then one guy goes, and there's just this buzz, and Mike goes. Well, my investor is E.F. Hutton, and E.F. Hutton said, and all of a sudden, it gets totally quiet. And everybody leans in. And so do your kids lean in? Does your family lean in? Or it's just... You have to build the relationship and be authentic before your voice matters. And to build... Those relationships are really important. Last thing I'll say, and then we're going to pray. When you study the life of another man by the name of Obed-Edom, he's the guy when David didn't know how to handle the ark and Uzzah died because of David's ignorance. David said, I don't know what to do with this thing here. Put it over there in that guy's house. And they put it in Obed-Edom's house. And he's like, I got the ark. I got the glory, the presence, the errands. I got the authority. It's in my house. He had eight sons. He has eight sons running around. And it doesn't scare him. It's scared to David. I don't know what to do with this thing. Here, go do something with it. And the next three months, because Obed-Edom was a Levite, and he knew how to carry the presence of God. He knew how to handle God's stuff. And really, his home became a temporary temple, tabernacle, sanctuary for the, for the presence of God and the glory of God. And God blessed Obed-Edom's house because he knew how to handle the presence. That's right. And he was an authentic leader and in relationship with his sons. And in three months, David heard that his house was blessed, his crops were blessed, his field was blessed, his family was blessed. David said, all right, I admit it. I didn't know what I was doing. We, we've learned how to handle it, not on a cart. We've got to carry the ark on the shoulders of the priest. And David led an entourage and a parade to bring the ark back into the house of God. But it was because of Obed-Edom, who had a, a authenticity with his family, and did you know that all eight of his sons became gatekeepers, which is Bible language for servants. They just served in the tabernacle. They served in the house. I thought about myself, church five times a week. And usually I was at the campus every day for some reason because my dad worked there. And uh, it was a blessed life. So I just want to challenge you. Think about your relationships we had a miracle happen this week in our church. We had an absolute miracle happen in a relationship between a father who did not raise his children as a Christian man, later came to Christ, and now God just, I can't say any more about it, but God, I talked to the, one of the children on Sunday, and then I thought I was going to have to be involved, Pastor. Uh, asked me to, to serve the situation. And you know what? God just stepped in and took care of it. Praise and God. the family was blended and healed and recovered. Praise and, God. And
You know what? That can happen. Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at the Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details.